Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Wall of Power Radio Hour. This is your host, Paul Metza. We are recording this show on the first day of summer, and we have a great guest on. I stumbled on Dirk Swank while cruising through Twitter one morning, wasting my life away. I uh, was really enjoying his tweets about the whole document scandal and his politics. He was the founding member and treasurer of Mad Dog Pack, a group founded to thwart Donald Trump in the 2020 election. Their goals on their website says to fight fascism, stop Trump, and restore sane and ethical government to this great nation. He works as an attorney and is also a songwriter and band leader of Dirk Schwank and the Truth. We will also be listening to several of his songs on tonight's show. And with no further ado, I would like to welcome Dirk Schwank. Dirk, how are you this evening? I am doing great. It's good to be here. Thanks for uh, thanks for taking time out of your busy schedule. Tell us a little bit about number one. Now, where are we talking to you from? And give us a little background on uh, Dirk's immersion into the world of politics and uh, life in general. My uh, the Dirk World Headquarters is here in Annapolis, Maryland, and uh, both my studio and my office are here in the house. So I am I am camped here where I almost always am, whether I'm on Twitter or doing music or whatever else. Um, and yeah, and I've been here in Annapolis. I graduated from law school back in '94, so I've been here for a little while. Wow. Well, we won't hold uh, being an attorney against you. Um, some of my best friends are. My uh, sister lives in Frederick, Maryland, so I've been out to that great state and. Uh, Enjoyed it every time. Next time I'm out there, I'll track you down. Dirk, wanted to uh, tell us a little bit about your political awakening. Well, I mean, I've always been really interested in politics, not necessarily from the sense of running so much, but I'm kind of an empathetic soul, and so I'm I'm always much agitated about, you know, sort of the, the big wigs stomping on the folks. So, uh, you know, the Trump era was quite a uh, quite a hard lesson, you know, and it just seemed so entirely unnecessary for us to end up in that kind of situation. So, yeah, that that um, that forced me to go on. I had a Twitter account for a long time, but I'd never kind of been active on it, and that forced me to go over onto Twitter and just try and get a better understanding of the kind of real-time happenings of the day. And that led me into sort of all sorts of, I don't know, you know, other kind of like-minded spirits that were dealing with, you know, both, you know, the kind of foreign efforts to corrupt our politics, billionaires kind of disrupting, you know, what we were kind of talking about in the, in the society. And, you know, that led to Mad Dog Pack and some other things. <laughs> now, tell and us we were. Because I also follow, I believe, the founder of Mad Dog Pack, uh, Claude Taylor on Twitter. And before uh, we forget, what is your, for those of our, our listeners out there, what is your Twitter hand, uh, handle in case they'd like to follow you? My Twitter handle is at 
Dirk, D-I-R-K, last name Schwenk, S-C-H-W-E-N-K. And I'm pretty much out there in kind of most environments as either Dirk Schwenk or Dirk Schwenk Music is the other one I'm on, like Instagram, I think, and that kind of thing. But I'm most active probably on Twitter. Um, but I, as far as I know, I'm the only Dirk Schwenk in North America, so I'm fairly easy to find. <laughs> it is a unique name. What? Uh, so tell us a little bit about how Mad Dog Pack came about. Mad Dog Pack came about like this. Claude um, insulted, uh, uh, you know, sort of in, in the way that he does. He's, he's pretty out there on Twitter. But a woman that is sort of a famous right-wing agitator, she was working for Sputnik News, which is the Russian-owned, it's no longer, it's no longer viable in, in the United States, but was then the active and Russian-owned news outlet um, he got into some beef with her on Twitter, and she sued him um, for defamation. And her lawyer was another person who had just—he was just graduated from law school. I'm not going to name either one of those people because they're horrible. But um, <laughs> his lawyer had just graduated from law school. Was also a Sputnik reporter up until the time that he graduated from law school. They sued him. And so he put it out on Twitter that, you know, he, you know, that he needed counsel and um, he got lots of, you know, kind of mediocre type legal advice that one gets on Twitter. But what he did not get, aside from me, was a Maryland barred attorney to be like, yeah, I'll step up. So I, I that's that's how that's kind of the first place that we really met. Um, I stepped up to defend him. Um, and, you know, the Mad Dog Pack was kind of founded as we started raising money for the defense, um, it became clear that, you know, hey, once once that case was dismissed, which we got it dismissed, um, it became clear that he could raise money for other kinds of things, too. And so that's how Mad Dog Back could started. Well, God bless you guys for doing the, doing the good work. Let's uh, jump in. I was really, um, uh, wasn't until less than two weeks ago, I ran into a great thread you did on the whole Donald Trump uh, documents case. If you just want to run that down, uh, as you were you're very insightful on uh, how uh, how illegal the uh, whole operation was on Trump's part. Tell our listeners a little bit about that from your point of view, Dirk Schwank. Well, so. Yeah, so I, I'm not. I do a lot of threads. So I'm not 100 percent sure. I, I do recall you're saying which one you said, but you know, here's here's the situation that Trump finds himself in. You know, he took something like 60 or 70 boxes of documents of a variety of kinds of things out of the White House when he left. Um, pretty pretty soon after that, um, the National records administration knew that he had documents and some of which they suspected i think were top secret some of which were they suspected were just presidential records of a variety of kinds um and so they asked him for them and all presidential records all records that were developed you know developed in the white house by the president during the presidency are are you know owned by the government and he has to turn them over um so they asked him for it and he blew them off of course and then they asked him again and they got a little more serious and they eventually subpoenaed those documents. And what, what this new indictment showed, and that's what this thread was about, I guess, was the indictment actually being revealed, was that he had 70 boxes of documents at Mar-a-Lago. When he was subpoenaed, which is a, you know, a legal requirement to answer, 
he went through something like 30 of those doc, 30 of those boxes, pulled out documents that he wanted to keep, and then turned over those, the rest of those documents according to the subpoena, meanwhile certifying that he had turned everything over when he had not, he hadn't turned anything vaguely like all the things over that he, you know, were, were subpoenaed. So that right there is, you know, it's obstruction of justice. It's like, you know, it's violation of all sorts of laws right there. And, you know, and this indictment just goes through. And I, I encourage everybody to read it. You can, you can go out there and read it. It's been published by the Department of Justice now that it's been unsealed. And, you know, he took those documents. He had them in his bathroom. He had them on the stage at, at Mar-a-Lago. They threw them in this storage unit. People were pawing through them. There was pictures in there that showed that some of them were spilled in the storage room and on the floor. And who knows who was at Mar-a-Lago you know, during that time, potentially in the storage room or on the stage and pawing through those documents and finding things. It's nuts. Did, uh, did you see the interview on Fox News the other night? I did watch part of it, yeah, with Brett Baer. Yeah. Um, what, uh, uh, and now, I guess uh, you're a lawyer, so you know more about it. So Judge Cannon said that uh, uh, Jack Smith and crew had to put a list of evidence they have. It looks pretty damning to me. What What are your thoughts? <laughs> I, well, so... <laughs> Um, yes, I, it looks pretty damning to me, too. And, and, you know, even before, you know, Trump has a long history with attorneys, which is like back even into the 80s, attorneys that he was hiring were having to kind of create protocols for themselves so that they didn't end up getting, you know, arrested or disbarred, and, although that's not really working because everybody still seems to be getting arrested and disbarred. But, you know, back even in those days, like back into the 80s, they were having to meet with multiple attorneys in the room so that there would not just be an attorney talking to Trump, but an attorney also listening to the conversation so that they could record what Trump had actually said, because he lies to everyone, including his attorneys, all the time. I mean, it just it, that's just an established fact. That's I mean, I am pretty partisan, but that is fact. You cannot work with a man. He lies to his attorney. So, um, yeah, his, the, for, first of all, federal prosecutors have something like a 98% success rate. If you get indicted by the feds, the chances of your getting acquitted are, you know, minuscule. The very, you know, vast likelihood is you're going to get, you know, you're going to get convicted. And for a situation as high profile as this, and as carefully crafted as this, you know, your chances, even if you've got the best attorneys and the best defense and the best arguments, et cetera, are bad. And he does not have the best attorneys and his arguments are terrible. <laughs> We've got uh, Dirk Schwank uh, from Annapolis, Maryland, uh, attorney, good progressive and a musician. On for the whole show tonight on the Wall of Power Radio Hour. We're going to go out uh, on this first set of three with a song he wrote that I uh, I find very enjoyable. Uh, shares a title with the Patti Smith song. Uh, here is Power to the People by Dirk Schwank and the Truth. And we'll have Dirk on for the rest of the show on the Wall of Power Radio Hour. That matter 
Welcome back to the second set of the Wall of Power Radio Hour. This is your host, Paul Metzler. Our guest all night is a good progressive patriot, songwriter, musician, and attorney, Dirk Schwank from Maryland. Dirk, let's uh, talk a little bit about uh, your music career. We just heard your song, Power of the People. What uh, record was that on? That record was my sort of Trump era 2020 um, EP called Peace Rage that was all, you know, protest songs and political notions and, uh, and, and that kind of thing. And I wrote it, you know, it was sort of during the pandemic and everything else. We did it um, at my friend's studio here in Annapolis. When, uh, when did you start playing music? I started playing music, I mean, I think like a lot of people, I started playing music in concert band, I think probably in like third grade i started at clarinet and i played that for a long time i played bass clarinet some saxophone until they kicked me out of the high school band and then i joined up i started playing bass with some other buddies in high school we my first you know my first stage experience as a rock and roll guy was uh the high school talent show back when and there we go I've done that. So I kept going. Yes. Now, so when did uh, uh, Dirk and The Truth, when did uh, that band start playing? We've been together, I want to say, about five years. So I took I took a long time off. Um, you know, I was raising kids in law school and, you know, my early career and kind of thing. I took a long time off, and then I started playing again here, um, you know, here and around Annapolis and in Maryland. I did some videos with and uh, with a guy who does Free State Workshop. Shout out to that because it's a fantastic Maryland YouTube channel that's got a lot of the young back. You know, this is now mostly ten years ago, but um, a lot of the really good local Maryland talent. And so I did that, and I did solo stuff mostly for a while through there, and you know, played around here. And then we formed up. I mean, yeah, it's about five years ago with another bass player that's in town that was looking to do some original stuff and. 
you know, kind of expand off of the kind of, tr- you know, typical stuff you do when you're doing bar gigs of, you know, rock covers and, and that kind of thing. And so we did, you know, really focused on the originals for, um, for the past few years. And it's been, it's been good. We've, we've got a fully felt out too. So shout out, what, to the, uh, shout out to Dirk and the truth over there. Now, what is the, uh, the website for, for your music, Dirk? So, um, my solo stuff is up on dirkschwenk.com. Um, and then the band stuff is up, uh, on a website called Dirk and the truth. And either one of those things where, you know, we're also up on the streaming service and that kind of thing. But Dirk and the Truth is the, is the band side. And we've got, um, we did a, I don't know if we released it in 2020 or 2021, but we did a, a full length CD called Captured by Aliens over there. Well, I've really uh, enjoyed the uh, uh, music I've listened to. We're going to listen to a couple more of your songs here over the course of the uh, Wall of Power Radio R. And, uh, you know, I've always said most of us uh, that are hip know that music is such a, uh, an important part uh, of, the mu- uh, of the movement, uh, whether you go back to Paul Robeson, Pete Seeger, Woody Guthrie, and then, of course, uh, bringing ahead a couple of decades to uh, Bob Dylan and Phil Oaks and Buffy St. Marie and Joan Baez. So I applaud... Uh, I applaud your progressive politics merging with the music. Do you uh, do you play many uh, political benefits um, for the cause? I I would say I do more. In, I'm, I do more kind of direct stuff. So I do less political stuff and more environmental kind of stuff. Um, we do lots of benefits for that kind of thing. There's also some organizations around here that do benefits for musicians, and I I shout out to that because I mean for the people that are working as full time musicians. Um, you know, life life is tough. There's not, you know, insurance for that. There's not, you know, unionization for that. And so we do. So I do lots and lots of stuff here locally for the organizations that support support musicians. Um, but yeah, just to harken back to what you just mentioned, some of the old protest songs and Dylan and all those cats. You know, I that there. I actually feel like I'm, I'm sure there's more than than I know of. But I feel like there's a real vacuum there. It's part of the reason that I wrote, you know, the songs for Peace Rage. All that stuff was original um, to the time, and I just feel like I, mean, I there is some stuff out there. Um, Jack Johnson put out a good song, you know, in that era too. Um, but I just feel like there's there's so much more room for timely political and social commentary. You know, it's it's tough out there, and people need to be expressing what's going on. I uh, I totally agree. I uh, I'm going to send you a few of my songs. I've been kind of doing that stuff. Oh, geez, I put up my first record in 1984, and uh, some of my most uh, requested songs are actually some of my political songs. So I know for a fact there's an audience out there, and probably a bigger audience, that's that's uh, yearning to hear uh, more of that music. What is your feel uh, in general? I've always get frustrated with the Democrats because really with, you know, whether it's Biden economics uh, and all the other great things the uh, uh, the left is doing, and, and I've got a shout out to uh, Minnesota. We've got a governor and a House and a Senate that is all DFL controlled, and we are just kicking butt here in the North Star State. But I've always been frustrated with Democrats always seem to have a problem getting the word out about 
the good things they do. What's your yeah, thought? I, that, well, so, um, I mean, the, you're, the, the, the observation is 100% correct. The messaging, the messaging of success, you know, is, isn't, well, it, it doesn't broadcast in the way that it should. And I, I'll say that I push back a little bit. I don't necessarily want to blame Democrats about that, you know, because in part, you know, when you talk about Democratic political animals, you know, their job is partly messaging, but in many ways it's delivery. And I do think, right. you know, if, if, you, if you focus on them delivering, you know, in light of the headwinds that they are perpetually facing, um, you know, I think they do, I think they do deliver. Like, I mean, like you said, Minnesota is a fantastic example. Maryland is a very democratic state. Like, things are good, you know, here. And thank goodness that it's, you know, as, as dominant and liberal as it is, because otherwise, you know, you look at Florida and Texas and these places, and there's, like, real pain down, you know, in those states. Oh, so, my God. Uh, so to push back just a little bit, like, I, that we have a societal problem. What, part of it is just humans. Humans love bad news. And so, you know, the more fear-mongering and the, oh, my God, you know, sky is falling, chicken little, you know, the better people like it. And so, you know, news is driven that way, and it's partly just a very human, you know, humans just, <laughs> they're, you know, like they're, they're panicky and kind of stupid. If it bleeds, it leads, right? Yeah. I mean, it, and that's not, you know, that's not Democrats fault. That's like humans fault. Yeah. And, and I, and I definitely would put a lot of, and I'm willing to point the finger to like at the traditional press, you know, the traditional press does a horrible job. They do a fantastic job of covering Trump saying stupid things, you know, and how outrageous it is and how much fun it is to watch that. They do a terrible job of really, you know, giving the American people a, a, an assessment, of fa a factual assessment of, like, what is going on in anything, economics, you know, military spending, you know, the, the, the social safety net. Like, they're just, they just don't do it. And partly it's because people don't read it or watch it, but it's not all. And so, you know, I, I feel for the political animals that have to, like, do everything and deliver. Um, you know, it's tough. What, uh, uh, I, I, I can't, um, I've had, got eight or ten, nine episodes we're going to have next week. Uh, the great political writer, uh, Charles Pearson, we call his uh, episodes Checkpoint Charlie. I call him my psychological morphine drip to all things political. And I always ask him what blogs he reads. What blogs would you suggest, Dirk, uh, for my listeners uh, to follow, to get the uh, the real deal, the truth on what's going on out there? That's, um, you know, I don't, it's funny, I don't read a lot of long-form stuff. I do read the newspaper, so I read Washington Post and I read the Annapolis Capitol here. Um, you know, I don't read, I mean, I do read some blogs. So hold, hold on, let, let me... <laughs> Yeah, go ahead. It's in my email box right, right now because I because I actually do and I and I appreciate it. So hold on, I, I do have some that I can really recommend. 
Yeah, for um, those of you that just uh, tuned in, we've got Dirk Schwenk on from Annapolis. He's a uh, founding treasurer of the Mad Dog Pack, musician, songwriter, and attorney fighting the good fight. And uh, he's going to hip us to what comes in on his email for cool blogs. All right, so I follow Judd Legum on, at yeah. Popular Information. Um, I started following Judd because... He actually ran, I think, for county council in my district, and so I was sort of familiar with him. He's since moved on out of politics, and he's much more of just a straight, hardcore reporter. But a lot of really, really, he does a really a lot of good on sort of corporate um, accountability and some of those things. So, you know, a lot of times you'll have corporations that are announcing, you know, hey, we're sort of environmentally friendly. We've got all these green politics, you know, green green policies. And then he does a lot of, like, the who are they actually donating money to on the political side in the back, mm-hmm. um, which is really, really good. And so he's really good at sort of pointing out the disparities between what people say they're doing and what they're actually doing. Um, he's he, he's really good at that. Um, just had... Oh, another, another one I read is Greg O'Lear. Yes, um, he does prevail, And he's on he's on Twitter... Um, his most recent one is on, you know, third party candidates going back to the one starting at the one that just drives me insane, which is Ralph Nader, but going forward now to obviously this, whatever is it, the, the, what's the name of this new thing that's supposedly like this centrist thing, but could only possibly, you know, pull, pull, pull voters away from. Is that no labels? Oh yeah. No labels. You know, and like whoever it is they're talking about, Robert F. Kennedy and these freaks. You know, so yeah, so he, so I, th- those two I read quite regularly. I read, um, I don't know if you're familiar with Empty. You probably are, but Empty Wheel, Marcy Wheeler. Um, no, I don't get her. Um, I don't get her blog, although I read it sometimes on. Um, hold on, let me pull her up. Make sure I have it right. Yeah, so Empty Wheel, that's her Twitter handle. Her name is Marcy Wheeler. Um, and she is bar none. If you want to know what's going on, um, you know, with who said what and what evidence is available and who's been charged with what or convicted of what in all of the kind of Trump era stuff, you know, going back to 2016 in the Mueller report and going forward now to the current, you know, iterations of stuff, she is absolutely the, you know, the lead pipe cold lock expert on what is and what is not in the kind of public record. That is fantastic. I need somebody new to read. We've got Dirk Schwank on for the whole show on the Wall of Power Radio Hour. We're going to take a left turn here, so to speak, and listen to another one of Dirk's songs. This one's going to be called flag on a hill and then we'll be back one more set with Mr. Dirk Schwank There's a flag on a hill in my hometown next to a statue of George Washington and it flies for ideas that he fought for anyone ideas that still hold the day one person one vote and the law of all United defense that we never let fall And everyone with a chance to answer their call No royals in church of the state 
And we can't just take this for granted It's a peace and the strength It must be defended It's the land of the free Best on the planet And we must defend or stand Like a flag on a hill And the way we must go Is live by science's light Children's education, a commitment to rights And peace when we're able, but willing to fight That's the American way And we can't just take this for granted It's a peace and a strength It must be defended It's the land of the free Best on the planet And we, we must defend or stay set for two but that's not really something like what you do when the candles are all burned down there's dishes all around as I step up to the stairs there's a strange something in the air and I walked up to the second floor put my hand up on the bedroom door there I paused as I can't escape the thought that Saw a table set for two I had a da-da-da Welcome back to the Wall of Power Radio Hour. We just heard a song by my guest Dirk Schwenk called Table for Two. Dirk, tell us a little bit about that song. That song, the the story in that song is, um, you know, your, your protagonist, is uh, driving home and kind of, you know, walks in the door after being away for a while. And, you know, things aren't quite right. And starting with the notion that there's a, there's a table set for two, there's like, you know, plates and candles and whatnot, but, you know, but he's been away. Um, And so that's kind of, that's kind of the direction that that song goes, you know, I'm happy to say that I'm happily married, and that didn't actually happen to me. But, um, but I, but I will say I think you know all all you know all people have been in that situation of just like, I, I, and this is how the story the song started for me. Like literally, I drove home. It was like a May day. It was beautiful, and I drove into my driveway, and I'd been you know I'd been at the office, and I came home early, and I was like, I hope everything's all right. Right, <laughs> and luckily, luckily it was. But that's kind of where that story came from, and it, I, well, I, um, you know, I, I totally get it because sometime in the late '80s, I had a girlfriend that I was living with who tried to kick me out of a car at seventy miles an hour. So I can't get the vibe. <laughs> I've, I've been there. 
Turk, this is a, I'm really enjoying this conversation. What, uh, you know, we've got uh, just a, less than two years away from 2024. What is your fear? I'm afraid of the gerrymandering and the uh, suppression of the vote. What is your fear? And then what is your optimism as we look forward to the next presidential election? I'll, I'll start with optimism. I, here's here's my optimism. I do feel like um, young voters and liberal voters and women voters are are energized and far less complacent. You know, they they really understand. For maybe the first time in my lifetime, like everyone seems to understand, like these votes matter, and. You know, and beyond that, you know, presidential years are almost always better for Democrats because people feel like, you know, well, the president is important, so they'll go out to vote even if they might not be out to vote, you know, in the, you know, just for House races or just for local races. So I feel like the voters are, you know, the, the right voters in my mind are, you know, the, the right wing is always extremely motivated and they always show up. So it's really a question of whether or not liberals and Democrats and sane people show up. And, and I, I'm optimistic that they will and that they understand the stakes now. Um, You're... My fear... Yeah, go ahead. I, I, go ahead. I mean, I'm with you. Gerrymandering and... Um, suppression are a problem. I, my biggest fear is that, you know, we really have an ongoing rising tide of right-wing political violence in this country. And even if that's not enough to change this sort of global vote, it's certainly enough to make things horrible for individual people who suffer from it. Right. And I would really like to see a little less political violence in this country. Um, uh, that scares and frustrates me. Do you think Trump is ever going to see jail time? I the the only way that he does not see jail time is if he passes away or if he or a similarly insane Republican is, is elected president and pardons him. Uh huh. You know, I, uh, I I I follow as much DeSantis as I can stand, but the guy is like, has absolutely no personality, and of course he's a complete fascist on top of it, so I don't really see what it, you know, I'm all for them running Trump in 2024, because I don't think there's an independent in the country that would pull the switch for him. Uh, switch, I mean, voter... Uh, uh, in the voting booth, not the uh, electric chair switch, but of which there would be quite a few that would pull that switch. But um, I don't really see any other GOP candidate that has absolutely any traction in the real world. What about you? I'm in agreement with that. I, I think, um, you know, the, the, the thing that has been exposed by the Trump phenomenon is that, like, these are the real Republican voters. They may not be the real, you know, Trump may be somewhat, or at least was somewhat of an outlier in Republican, like, real politics. But Trump's voters are the real animated base of the Republican Party. And what you're seeing with them is they have been completely, they are a one-man, you know, they're a one-trick pony. Like, Trump is their guy. No one else is good enough. And I, I don't think that anybody else, 
DeSantis or anyone else right now poses any kind of a significant threat. And the Republican Party has no means of expanding its base because you can't walk away from Trump voters. So I don't I'm with you like Trump is really the only one that I think has a chance. And I don't really think he has a chance. But, you know, like never, ever, ever get ahead of ourselves and, you know, get complacent. Now, I think another, of course, uh, the abortion decision uh, really motivated uh, the uh, 2020 electorate to come out. Um, I really think, and I'd like to know your thoughts on this, Dirk Schwenk, that the uh, expansion of the Supreme Court in light of all of the... um, the uh, the scandals, whether it's Alito uh, fishing in Alaska with the billionaire, or Clarence Thomas, or Clarence Thomas's wife, or whoever else is uh, will be coming up in the news, I think uh, the expansion of the Supreme Court is a real legitimate uh, issue that the Democrats should embrace. I I agree with that, and and and. And as a lawyer, I just, uh, it's hard for me to even express the disgust I feel like these, I mean, I've known about, you know, everybody knew that Scalia was out there partying with whoever, but the, you know, these, the steady set of stories from ProPublica about how corrupt the right wing branch of the Supreme Court is, is just, it's absolutely disgusting. And so I'm I'm in agreement with you. Like pretty much everything is on the table about that. You know, Democrats should absolutely be running on that. Um, you know, running on what the Supreme Court is doing to our individual liberties, and you know, and the corruption there. Um, I you know, it's a really interesting case study to me. You know, a second Biden term. Biden has been you know has done. He's delivered on a a ton of very liberal. You know ideas as a as a legislator but if you watch him he also presents at the same time really pretty kind of you know middle of the road like you don't see how liberal he is and so he certainly has never come out and said hey we should expand the supreme court right um, I, you know a second term when he you know was term limited and he only had four more years and he had you know a senate and a and a congress if everybody was liberal in that like would he do that I, you know that's a good question <laughs> i don't know that's a I think it's. I think something has to be done. I'll say this: the notion that you could have nine individuals, and all it would take for the evil billionaires is to figure out, like, how do we corrupt three of them to right. change the course of American history? Like, that can't go on. That risk is too great. Yeah, and uh, they've been the Federalist Society, and uh, and those billionaires. It doesn't seem like. Uh, Seems like they've got several of the uh, the justices on speed dial, for God's sakes. 100% they do. 100% they do. Um, let's, uh, uh, let's go to, you know, the tragedy in the news. I saw you tweeting about it uh, in this last year or two. Uh, the submarine that's probably has either imploded or disappeared uh, in the millions of dollars that are spent on that. And, and we all feel sorry for anybody uh, who perishes, especially under such tragic conditions. But uh, you and others have kind of made a point of we have 600 migrants drowning in the Mediterranean, no rescue there to speak of. And uh, 
but here you've got, uh, you know, every resource available to get the uh, folks trying to go down and see the Titanic uh, and exploring that. What are your feelings on that, Dirk? Uh, I have a lot of thoughts on all that. I mean, uh, and I did actually do a tweet thread on sort of what's normal. You know, I do some, I do quite a bit of maritime law, and so I know some things about sort of how ships are supposed to be inspected and seaworthiness and all that kind of thing. I mean, and, you know, with respect to both of these things, you know, a lot of the migrant disasters are because they're overloading ships or using them in places, you know, in ways that they shouldn't, you know, they shouldn't be in the open ocean. They're really inshore ships or whatever, you know, and it's just obvious that greed is driving that, you know, by the people that are trafficking those people. You know, with respect to this, the, the Titanic sub, I mean, you know, there really were no safety constraints whatsoever on this. Like, it's just, it's just, it's shocking that someone would expose themselves to that. But, you know, the Titanic has been, I don't know, it's captures so much that it's impossible to look away from another story that, like, really addresses the Titanic. Um, but let me let me just give you a, uh, let me, let me, let me let me point to a broader theme with respect to the migrants in the Mediterranean. So, please, there is no question that Putin and the Russians and the evils in generally are purposefully driving migrants um, out of North Africa and the Middle East toward Europe to destabilize Europe, and they do the exact same thing here in Central and South America to send people up into the United States to destabilize us in our politics, and so just. I, I, I wish people understood, and by golly, I wish the press would cover the fact that this is an intentional effort to destabilize democracies, and we should stop allowing it. You know, we shouldn't be in a situation of, like, shoving migrants offshore because, you know, everybody's mad about them. We should do something about the evils that are causing those problems. Derek Swank, that is, uh, that's a point of view that I've never really considered, and I really uh, appreciate that. Excuse me, and I appreciate your time, and this is exactly why you are a guest this week on the Wall of Power Radio R. For those of you that wonder how Schwenk is spelled, is S-C-H-W-E-N-K, and Dirk is D-I-R-K. Dirk, this has been a real delightful conversation. I look forward to meeting you in person one of these days, and uh, keep up your great work, uh, both uh, politically and musically. All right, Paul, I really, really appreciate it. It's so nice to have a little light shine on some of my uh, music stuff, too. So it's been great. I really appreciate it. Thanks for listening to the Wall of Power Radio Hour. The show was produced by Paul Metza, engineered by Brett Johnson. We'd like to thank our guest, Dirk Schwenk. Follow me at paulmetza.com. My book, Alphabet Jazz, Poetry, Prose, Stories, and Songs, is available on Amazon. Also in person, you can get it at The Electric Fetus. My book I wrote with Rick Shevchek, Blood in the Tracks, the Minnesota musicians behind Dylan's masterpiece, is out by the U of M Press on September 12th, and you can pre-order it on Amazon. And like my dad used to tell me, remember to be kind and make someone happy. There will be no power brokers, the wall of power will fall.